The following podcast contains explicit language. Mostly from Colin. I like that in the background of this now, you can hear me sending memes to the group chat. Yeah, that's, I've moved my phone to reduce that. I have not. Why don't, uh, why are you not, why are you not using the Skype chat, which will not? Well, it's different, it's different things for different things. The Skype chat is for like current and tangible memes while we're recording. The Twitter chat is just for the boys. I've been monitoring some of their old style radio waves. Hello. 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 It's the book club at the end of the universe. I'm Jeremy Yoder, and I'm here with Colin Carlson. Hello, small beans. And Fausto Bustos. Hello, large beans. After uh, after a very long absence on all our parts, where the hell have the three of us been for the last, what, two, three months? It's been a bit. Um, I was in a flood. That was really exciting. So... Um, for those of you, for those of you who d- who don't know, um, a significant chunk of Baltimore has washed away in the last few weeks. Um, Ellicott City has actually been destroyed. What? Uh, if you, yeah, it's um, it's also second the second. Time. Yeah, it's the second thousand year flood in like two years. Oh right, um, I did see that in passing. I I can no longer like retain news events. There's a lot apparently. going on. There's a there's a lot of disasters all the time. Like it's it's hard to keep track of. But if you have any money lying around, those folks can really use it. Anyhow, so um, so I'm I'm driving to Baltimore with my with my best friend maybe a week or two ago, and uh, we see a cloud on the horizon. I'm like that doesn't look so good. And about five minutes later, we are in zero visibility conditions in Baltimore. Uh, Driving, there's about four to five inches of rain on the highway. Um, driving through that, can't see anything. Um, we're up on, on the overpass that's, like, dangerously high because to get into Baltimore, you got to go through some weird overpass shit. Uh, so our hearts were pounding, and we're a little bit freaked out, and it's getting worse and worse. So we did what any sane people would do. I uh, plugged in that aux cord, and I put on Have You Ever Seen the Rain? And we maxed out the car speakers, and we screamed holy murder as we drove through the storm. Uh, so I've been recovering emotionally from that experience, and I've been recovering my my, my vocal cords from that as well. That's where I've been. Wow. And as I, yeah, and as I understand it, Fausto has been down a well for the last month. Just I'm up. usually down one kind of well or another, but no, this, uh, these last few months have featured me, um, finishing up another term at UC Berkeley. So one of the interesting things that has happened thus far, I was recently invited to the graduation, um, from my roommate who went to the business school here. And in one of the final speeches, the student speaker, um, you know, said, uh, went through a series of accolades of the people who were graduating and talked about all the successes and had good life lessons for everybody. Uh, but in the series of stories that she was relating to us, just mentioned, you know, sort of offhandedly how, um, the class had birthed 44 babies, um, in the time span of two years. And she awkwardly congratulated the class for being so 
busy um, over the last few months or so. Um, so it was really weird to be in the audience and listening to that. It got everybody, I think, was a little uncomfortable um, at that. And otherwise, just finishing up another term, uh, trying to find somebody to replace her as my roommate. That's been interesting. At one point, we were thinking that this Russian lady um, would take over, but then that sort of went south. Um, hell in a handbasket. Um, a series of other unfortunate uh, events. Events, yes. So that didn't work out. So we're still sort of looking for a roommate to take her place. And let me other. Let me move in with you. Oh, no, you're banned. Um, We've already lived together. Banned. Um, that's why you're banned. And other than that, um, I went on a 38-and-a-half-hour date. That is a record by far. Um, it involved two movies, um, two dinners, one lunch, one brunch, uh, kayaking for two, three hours on the lakefront. That was that was pretty amazing. And uh, yeah, I'm totally smitten. Um, and we'll see where it goes. Wow. Jeremy, Jeremy where, where have you been? Where the hell have you been? I, uh, well, okay. I, I finished my first semester teaching and I don't seem to have done too much damage in the process. Um, my office is now half full of student botanical collections that I have graded, but I haven't, I haven't gone through the pile to decide what, will maybe be processed for this, the University Herbarium, which is the ultimate destination for some of them. I am prepping for fieldwork in Europe in a week and a half and trying to do way too much in the meantime. It's amazing how, how fast I filled up the time between the end of class and uh, leaving the country. I guess this is going to be the story of my summer. I also spent a spent a weekend uh, back up in Moscow, Idaho, where I went to where I went to graduate school for the memorial service for my for my PhD advisor who passed away, and that was an occasion for a great deal of seeing Moscow, Idaho again. I guess which doesn't take very long. It's not a big town. Thinking about the uh, the time I spent there and. Oh, thinking back to to my first encounter with with my PhD advisor and the the weird sort of leap of faith of that process of starting up a mentoring relationship that is going to take six years of everybody's lives, um, and and how that how it's nice when that works out, which it did. There you go. Mm-hmm. Um. And I'm. I this is especially sort of relevant because I am. I am bringing my first graduate student in into the lab in in fall. So I'm trying to remember what uh, what my PhD advisor did well and do that. And and we'll see how well I how I manage with that. Anyway, uh, yeah. So that's that's me. Hell yeah! Great. Should we should we finish this off? This is the podcast at the end of the universe, but it's also the end of the podcast at the end of the universe. The end of or the first it? series of this podcast. 
the end of the beginning of the end of the podcast. I'm, I'm going to stop this now using my powers. We're stopping. <laughs> so this is the episode where we discuss the, the remainder of The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, the novel. Um, it's everything that has happened since, uh, since Arthur Dent, the, one, of the, one of the last two survivors of the destroyed Earth, was uh, told about the, the true history of the Earth by uh, Slur de Bartfast, the Magrathian. Arthur is somewhat shaken to discover that the Earth was actually a giant computer calculating the question to life, the universe, and everything the whole time. I mean, who the fuck wouldn't be? It's, it's a lot to take in. It's very alarming, to say the least. And it turns out that there, there are some of the beings who created the Earth present on Magrathea. They are the, they are the pet mice who escaped the Earth with Trillian when she left with Zaphod a few months before the, the planet was destroyed. Because, of course, the, the form that the hyper-intelligent pan-dimensional beings who ordered the creation of the Earth took as they monitored the progress of the, of the ultimate computer in its, in its program to find the ultimate question, they took the form of mice so that they could perform fiendishly elaborate experiments on humans from the vantage point of the the animals on which we perform behavioral experiments. For the record, every single person I've ever known who works with any kind of, like, lab rat or lab mouse 100% believes this to be a real thing. <laughs> uh, that's sort of comforting to hear. I don't know if that's comforting or terrifying. I, I, don't, think, I don't think it's comforting. Yeah. I think it's just one of those unfortunate things that you roll with. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, uh, so the, there's two mice. Uh, they they want to have a talk with Arthur because his brain is is a last generation product of the computer program. Nobody says anything about Trillian, and I don't really understand why. But maybe because she left early. I think that, and I I say this with the utmost respect for Douglas Adams, and for male science fiction writers <laughs> in general. Uh, they forgot her. <laughs> No, that, I mean, she, she has, she, she's present in the conversation, but she's sort of treated as a citizen of the galaxy in a lot of ways. Um, and also you can't make the jokes about, about what you would replace Arthur's brain with, uh, in the same way you can for Trillian. That's true. Um, so, and so the, the mice, the mice want to destructively analyze Arthur's brain, but they offer to make him a, an electronic replacement, which would not have to be very complicated. Um, you would just have to program it to say what and where's the T. Um, Which, to be fair, is relatable as fuck. Oh, yeah. I'm doubling down on swearing in this episode. I'm so sorry. <laughs> we're, going out, we're going out with a, we're with a bang. So there's, there's some back and forth over whether this is a good idea. Arthur objects. And then uh, every alarm on the planet goes off because the galactic police have finally showed up to collect Zaphod Beeblebrox, former president, galactic galactic uh, criminal for the theft of the heart of gold. Um, Good. That, dis- that disturbance gives everybody an excuse to, to run, run away and the, the mice are escaped. A pair of galactic policemen pin our heroes down behind a, a computer databank and are, and are firing on them and they're planning to, it looks like the end is nigh. And then both of these policemen drop dead. Uh, because they're they're life support computers, they don't breathe the oxygen atmosphere of Magrathea. Their their life support systems have just died, and so 
uh, Zaphod and and Ford and Arthur and Trillian all make their make their way back to the the heart of gold, and they find that next to it is the police spacecraft, which is also dead. How this is obvious is a little unclear. The lights are off, and next to that is Marvin, who they left behind uh, with the heart of gold. Marvin had apparently been sufficiently bored that when the police touched down, he plugged into the, the their starship and just explained the way he views the world to them. And and that depressed the starship so much that it committed suicide and took its, its passengers with it. Which is also really relatable, but go on. Yes. And that's really, uh, that's really the end. Everybody boards the Heart of Gold and they get the heck out of there and, and, and credits. Fausto, what did you think of this ending? You're the, you're in, you're our, uh, our resident encountering it for the first time person. Um, so generally I did not like these final set of chapters. Um, so I did appreciate that there was a way for them to sort of escape the near death situation of the, the two intergalactic mice. But then it was confusing in that I, I wasn't completely clear on what was causing the commotion. And then it had happened to be that these like aliens had landed on the surface and the alarms were going off because of them and blah, blah, blah. Um, and I love the quip about Marvin destroying the ship by interfacing with it, um, and just suiciding it to death, um, or depressing it to death. I love that. But then that was really the only lovable part of the whole five, six chapters for me. Um, the ending felt very robbed of any sort of interesting or explanatory power. There was just nothing there for me. Um, right. There's a there's I a plug for the to, next book, which is interesting. But um, I was really disappointed. I felt that uh, Douglas had led me along on this wonderful ride, and then complete disappointment at the end of things. So, not a huge fan of what what just happened. I think it's worth also pointing out that it's not that Douglas Adams didn't know how to write endings. Mm-hmm. Like, the ending of Mostly Harmless is really great. The ending of So Long and Thanks for All the Fish is decently pleasant. You know, it's just, he just kind of phones it in on this one. Well, and my research for today's episode was to was to re rewatch a fair chunk of the BBC uh, television miniseries adaptation of The Hitchhiker's Guide, and I... I feel like that actually gives me some insight into why, not just why this is so unsatisfying, but like what it could have been. Um, the The original radio drama and then <clears throat> the, the the TV miniseries is structured exactly along the. I think it. I think it's almost an entire just transposition of the radio play to television, including with most of the radio cast as television cast. In the original, the original formatting, the first two novels are all the same story. Uh, the The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy and the Restaurant at the End of the Universe are all the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. And so what happens is, uh, during the shootout with the Galactic Police, the the police explode the the computer data bank that everybody is sitting behind. And um, not to not to get into not to get too much into spoilers. 
that the force of that explosion propels Ford and Zaphod and Arthur and Trillian into the future, where Magrathia is the site of the the restaurant at the end of the universe, uh, which is a restaurant built to travel through time to view the collapse of the universe as as dinner entertainment. And which from is th- a lot like 2018. Hey-o! Yeah, so, so not entirely, wow. not not unresonant, actually. Um, there's even a cheesy MC who's making jokes about watching the universe burn and then going home to 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 your daily business and it's, it's working Jimmy to make Fallon. the world a better place and knowing that it's all just going to end in in entropy. It. It's definitely Jimmy Fallon. It probably is. Yeah. Um, yeah. There, and there's no, there's no like interesting bartender. I like, I think a restaurant like that would benefit from having, having somebody like Guinan in there from yeah, no. the next generation. There's, there's just a really, there's just a really, um, comedically stiff waiter, but, uh, mm-hmm. well, that's, that's all, that's all material for the next book because, because it's got separated out. What happens from there is that, uh, there's more time travel Ford and Ford and, and Arthur end up marooned on the prehistoric earth 2 million years before the beginning of the, of the, of the story. And so they're left, they're left knowing that this planet is going to be destroyed and there's nothing to do about it. There's no, there's no one to contact. There's nothing, no way to save anything. And in fact, it looks like, it looks like the, the program to find the ultimate answer for reasons I won't go into is even off thrown off key by the events surrounding their arrival. So there is, there's no point to the, to, to going forward. Everything is doomed. And basically they walk off into the sunset together. Hooray. Yeah. Um, and I think that's actually a much better ending and it's a, it taken, taken together from our start with the destruction of the earth. It's a much more complete arc and, and more thematically complete, right? You have, you have these recurring recurring vignettes about destruction and futility and people still saying, well, I like it. I like it here right now. <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to watch this sunset and the Vogons will come to a million years from now and that's okay. Oh, God, that's so mm. brutally present in yeah. life. Yeah. Hmm. A moment of silence <laughs> for that concept. <laughs> no, I mean, I mean, I was, I was thinking about this a lot today, right? I. So I, I've taken up, I've taken up biking mm-hmm. as a thing, and it's very quickly become the best part of my day, and I, I can't really put my finger on why because something that I know this might come as a shock to both of you, but I'm not really that into exercise. Um, it just doesn't really emotionally resonate with me as a concept, uh, um, but. It's, it's really quickly become the best part of my day. And I, I sort of realized that the reason for that is that nothing happens when I'm on my bike. I can't check my phone. 
No one is trying to get a hold of me. Mm-hmm. Things are just completely futile and unchangeable for 20 minutes. And yeah, there's something very depressing about that, but also something like very calm. Um, is that why you have, what was it, eight apps devoted to getting you on a bike? Yeah, so I have five bike share apps, two scooter share apps, and a Nike app to keep track of all the calories that I spend on the bikes. Because I I had a choice in 2018, which was either be a better and more interesting person or be bike guy. And wow, I was on a I was wow. On a, I know, I know. I was on a maybe date last week, and this this girl who is absolutely wonderful, but. She like she looks me in the eye when I when I'm telling that particular anecdote, and she's like, "You know, it'll make you a worse person, right?" And I was, just <laughs> like, and I was like, "Yeah, like, but god damn." Well, anyway. to be fair, you you don't really become insufferable until you start buying spandex. Well, I've started drinking kombucha, which I'm pretty sure is a step in that direction. That's worse. What, what about yeah. buying, like I did, an $80 yoga mat that you only used once? Why did you do that? I don't know. Three years ago, I thought I was going to get into yoga. I did not, but I did go to the first... Sorry, we're a little off track here from, from the novel, but I went to my first yo, first and only yoga session. Got there late, didn't really know what was happening, quickly set up. We're doing some, I don't know, some tiger lily pose or whatever. Um, and then the instructor, so because I was late, I sort of got there at the very end and I could only find a free spot near the left side of the room. And then the instructor says, okay, now everybody turn to the left. So we're all sort of facing, everybody's behind looking at me and I get uncharacteristically conscious, not knowing what I'm doing. Cause it's the first time I'm there mm-hmm. and I'm, I'm still feeling rushed from having just bungled my way into this, this, the large open area there. And of course, in the middle of overthinking everything, I fell down <laughs> in front of everybody while everybody was looking at me. And ever since then, I haven't gone back. And now I just have this $80 constant yoga guilt reminder lying around and I don't know what to do with it. Oh. I almost want to throw it away. You're so good at $80. yoga. <sighs> I guess I could yoga, but that would require that I... I think you have to yoga. sell it on Craigslist, but you have to make like a really good post out of it. It has to be like No, he hey. just has to link to the I'm so good at yoga video from Crazy Ex Girlfriend. <laughs> In the process of getting rid of the yoga mat. Yeah. Like, this actually so happened good. to me. I don't want to see it ever again. Yeah. Fair. <laughs> um I actually have a, a, a this is amazing. I have a an exercise related confession of a similar nature. Oh, I'm so scared. I went to my very first Soul Cycle class on Memorial Day. No. Yes. No. Possibly because I'm dating the instructor. And <gasps> wait. Ooh. wait, I nearly died. You, you didn't say any of this before. When, when yeah. We, how come you didn't put this in the group chat? Rude. This <laughs> is group chat material. But your reactions are so much purer right now. Mm. You're still a rude boy, but go on. Um, I, I nearly died. It is, I, I haven't biked much recently. I, there isn't, um, it's not safe to be on a bike in Los Angeles for the most part. And I couldn't, biking to work would be uh, totally impractical for me. Although I might 
eventually work out some sort of hybrid commute with the bike and the bus. Um, so I haven't been biking much, and Soul Cycle is like mostly standing up in the pedals, which is not a thing you you do unless you're like really accelerating as a normal bicyclist. I like to do it when I'm moving slowly because it makes me feel tall. Yeah. Well, okay. So maybe you would like Soul Cycle. Um, so there's <laughs> a lot of standing up in the pedals, which is which is quite a bit harder work, and you do push-ups on the handlebars, and there yeah. was a bit oh. where we were supposed to balance in place and do stuff with weights, and of course I, because no. I am an at, I am an overconfident jerk, had <laughs> had said, oh, these two pound weights that are already at the bike, that's ridiculous. I need the five pounders. <laughs> Fuck. So you maniac. I was. I, I was literally draped over my handlebars for a non-trivial <laughs> portion of this class. Oh, I bet your date loved that. Well, he hasn't kicked me out yet, but... Um, oh, boy. Yeah. I'm going um, ha- to have to turn in a better performance sometime in the not-too-distant future. Uh, Sorry, I'm just going to in the background. So I'm going to pivot from that. Uh, via a tweet that I saw recently, which feels like a connected idea. And that tweet was like, it's hard to think about like not eating cake or like controlling my diet and my life when I know I'll be dead in 80 years. (laughs) And I went to Ikea two days ago and I was like, got to get me a snack. I'm in Ikea. Right. And, and the options were the little, little raspberry cakes that I like or the big chocolate cake that I love. But I got a little raspberry cake because I was like, no, I'm healthy. I want to I wanna look good. I want to, like, feel good about my body. And then I was sitting there and I remembered that tweet in the middle of Ikea. And I just completely mentally checked out for, like, an hour. So I'm handling the void very well. So you had a dissociative episode in, in Ikea. Did you return oh, well, I, with... I mean, I always, I always have a dissociative episode in Ikea. <laughs> but you, what, what did you buy? I bought a mattress. Just a mattress? Well, I didn't even buy new pillows. I'm very impressed, Colin. I'm I'm not going to lie. Every time I go to Ikea, I buy new pillows, and I finally didn't do it this time. I thought about it. I thought about it for a real long time. I saw some cool-ass pillows, and I was like, those could go great in my living room. No. I went to Ikea for a bottle of the elderflower concentrate that they have and came back with a cake stand, a set of pasta dishes. Oh, and a bunch of wine glasses. Hmm. Um, That sounds like my trips to target two year, three years ago. I went to get one pride shirt and I walked out with $350 worth of merch, including a bath rug and by two plants. It was great. $350 worth of Target merch is a lot to carry. You know, I had, I think I had a car and a half. It was excessive. I've never done that before. My word. Wow. I did that in Target once. I, I was hanging out with, um, oh, this isn't a flattering story. I Wait, was, yes, tell it. I was, uh, I was hanging out with my best friend at the time and her boyfriend and I was very in love with her. This was like two months before we ended up dating. Um, so that's nuanced. And I wasn't handling the situation well. 
So I was doing absolutely anything in my power to not pay attention to their PDA. And that's how I bought a TV for my apartment that once I got home, I remembered I didn't have uh, television cables in. Nice. And yeah, that's how I returned a TV to Target in a 24-hour time span. Normal adult behavior. No, that's pretty good. I mean, it was returnable, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's what counts at the end of the day. Right. Mm-hmm. The yes. really, like, Seinfeld or Larry David level of of human incompetence is where you now just have to have a television that you can't use in the apartment because you can't bring yourself to take it back. Well, so this is what I ended up doing with mattresses. It's what I always do. So when I lived in Berkeley, I had a twin mattress, and then I took a queen mattress off someone's hands because I thought my bed was a queen, but it was, it was or sorry, a full. I had a full. I thought my bed was a queen. I took a queen mattress off someone's hands. I got into my apartment. I was like, this does not fit. And so I had what Fausto will remember as mega bed. Which was <laughs> oh, God, I do remember this. An Ikea bed with a full mattress in it with a queen mattress on top. Huh. That was perfectly aligned to the edges of the bed frame. Hmm. So I did this again in reverse when I moved out here. Um, I bought a queen bed frame, and they gave me malformed parts. I still don't have the headboard built. Ikea, if you're listening to this, give me the goddamn headboard. You realize you can just call them and be like, I'm missing I've this teeth, and they'll and send I've emailed. them to I've done I've done my time, okay? <laughs> have you so, ever considered that you might be incompetent at this? Have you ever considered that I'm not getting good enough night's sleep without a headboard to do competence on it? Have you thought about that much, sir? Anyway. It's a so real catch-22. It's, it's not good. So I bought a full mattress by accident um, in January. And then this job that I have has kicked the shit out of me so brutally that, in a good way, this is, I love my job, but I'm so busy that I just now got around to buying now a new queen mattress. Uh, and I'm, I have to sell the old one because I lost the receipt. So I'm, I'm at the Larry David levels of incompetence. I'm there. Oh, I, I never thought otherwise. I just, it felt like Jeremy had some faith in me for a minute. And I did. I really that to continue. It but felt I, unfair. I mean, sleeping on a sleeping on a mattress of the wrong size with the headboard not built is a is a pretty classic academic. I'm too busy to do anything else. Yeah, exactly. No, but I was thinking about this this week because it was like the, the the thing is that I've been so busy that I haven't been dating, mm-hmm. and so no one has had to confront me about my shit. And then I had the epiphany this week that I might at some point want to go on a date in my life. And immediately was like, I have to fucking, I got to, I got to do this. It is amazing how motivating the thought of people in one's apartment is. Very much so. I had people, I, so my, my, my birthday is Memorial Day weekend. And I had people, people who I expect to see in other contexts, again, over for cake and drinks. Uh, And that was the first, the first party. um, I'm, I'm sorry. (laughs) Does, Does this include the soul cycle boy? He oh, he did not oh. join. It was it was work people, for the most part. Oh, and a friend who was randomly down from uh, someone I know from Vancouver who was randomly down from San Francisco because he moved there. Um, oh, so and, you were inviting your friends in San Francisco? I see how it is. If if Fausto had if Fausto had had texted me at eight p.m. and said, "Hey, I'm driving down. Can I 
can I crash at your place at 6 a.m. until we get into a hotel room? I probably would have said yes, and he probably would have been at my birthday party on Sunday. Oh, <laughs> thank you. Aww. You're welcome. I don't know what to say to that one. Wait, finish telling us about your birthday. Yeah, oh, you that was pretty birthday? much it. Okay. I, okay. Had, I had people over for cake on Sunday night. I killed myself in Soul Cycle on Monday, and we went to the beach after that. So, you know, the advantage of the advantage of using like your entire carbohydrate supply is that you are, in fact, ready to go to a gay beach. Hey. So uh, we've gone way off topic, but how, what, what does any of this have to do with confronting the, the futility the of existence? Well, so I think that in a sense, all of these things are about confronting the futility of existence, because why else would you date someone? Bam. The futility is in the probability of a breakup or the inevitability of death? No, it's neither. Yeah, I'm not sure where you were going with that one. It's that dating people is... um, How do I I phrase this? Um, It is a temporary release from the meaninglessness of the void. Does that make sense? It gives you the illusion of meaning for a short while. You've made it sound horrible. Yeah. We can fix that in post. Oh, okay. Can we? That's how it works. I hope so. I'm not sure I I'm not sure I found that module in in GarageBand yet. Well, let's let's switch gears to maybe a slightly bigger picture. How do we feel about the book now that we're done with it? Um, Colin, you and I are revisiting something that we we thought we almost had memorized uh, after a after a fair bit. Fausto, you're reading it for the first time. Mm-hmm. So I loved it, but for this last, as I said, few series of chapters, um, I think had I. Had I met Douglas, he and I would be buds, would be friends. He'd be my homie. Um, I'd have him on the the group chat. Um, We'd be texting a lot. We'd be WhatsApp friends. We'd be Instagramming and, you know, Snapchatting a lot. I think we, I think. Douglas Adams would hate Snapchat. He would hate Snapchat, but he'd be on just about everything else. Mm -hmm. Yeah. This is a man who, who lived, like he, he loved the internet precisely because it was a source of distraction. Right. Yeah. Um, I think I can work with that. So I really enjoyed the, I don't know, the fluidity that he had with language and the way that so much of the book is just completely absurd and the way that he manages to roll with that. Um, I am sad it's over. I'm sad it ended on a very disappointing note, but we'll see what the rest of, um, what the rest of the book has or books have in store for me. Yeah, so we haven't we haven't talked about the long term plans for this podcast yet, but the thought is that we will certainly be be carrying on into the the restaurant at the end of the universe at some future date. We got plans. We do have plans. 
They're secret plans. You can't know them. More or less in the oh. same in the same way that the Cylons did, which is to say that they're not going to make a lot of sense when they actually materialize. I don't know what that means, but I, I know what that means, and I love it. <laughs> uh, Colin, what did you think of the the book having now gone through it another t- one more time? Um, I don't know. It's okay. On the one hand, it's it's like coming home. You know, this is a. Uh, Jeremy and I were talking about this the other night, so, and we, we talked about this on the pilot. Uh, this is a book that uh, it meant a lot to my dad, uh, who I, I, I recently have been talking about this a little bit on social media. So my, my father committed suicide about 20 years ago uh, this August, um, and so this year is a very strange year for me, um, thinking about that. And this book has always been a way of sort of coming home and circling back on on my dad and my childhood. Um, there's definitely parts of it that don't hold up now that I have to talk about them with other people. It's a lot like, um, you know, superhero movies. You go watch an Avengers movie and you're like, I love the Avengers and I want Thor to crush my skull with his hammer. And then you're out with your friends at the bar and um, they're like, here are 17 problems with this movie. And you're like, oh. It's like when Faust and I went to see Inhumans, and I was so excited for Oh, him. my God. Please don't he's bring still, that up. He's still mad. We saw it in theaters. It wasn't good. Anyway, so, I don't know. There's parts that don't hold up. There are parts that I still really love. I appreciate now that it has additional meaning because it's something we've done as a group and we've talked about as a group. I think that's pretty good. And it's it's made me think about what else in sort of what else in our in our day-to-day life and experiences with sci-fi is Douglas Adams-esque, you know? Like I, I see a lot of sci-fi through that lens now. So that's how I feel. It's it's nuanced and it's neither good nor bad universally. But yeah, so I think I think you can certainly thinking about it more systematically and think about it in comparison to the like think about the different forms that this story has taken, which has kind of been my role on the podcast has has made me see the seams in it a little bit more. Yeah, for sure. It definitely feels like I understand how a book like this would be written, which is not something I've ever fully understood. Mm-hmm. Um, but that said, I I continue to be deeply, deeply jealous of Douglas Adams' uh, writing style. The you know the the story the story is um, actually thematically pretty pretty interesting, and there's stuff there's there's more there than just it's not a it's. As I said at the beginning, it's not just a, it's not just space balls. There's there's thought going on beyond oh. beyond this is funny and in space, right? Jeremy, how, yeah, can you can you tell us a little bit where you're at with it? Um, I think I mean I think I'm I would still say this is this is a, an important book to me, and it's one that is certainly interesting to have been reading in in 2017 and 2018 it's interesting to think about it as sort of a product of the 80s and considering that we're now living in in kind of the 
the ultimate expression of of ideas that were sort of, that were starting to kick around back in back in those days. Um, it's sometimes a little jarring to see the the earlier iterations of that kind of stuff in in a book that I hadn't really thought thought about in that way before. But I I don't know. I continue to I continue to to be impressed by sort of the the Douglas Adams worldview, which is which is basically yes there's not there's not a there's not something transcendent out there for us, but actually the stuff that is in front of us, the world around us, is satisfying in its own right. Yeah. I and agree. we should we should we should enjoy it while we have it. Mm-hmm. That's as, good a, that's as good a point to end on like than this as any. I think going forward, we uh, we will be returning to, to Douglas Adams with the restaurant at the end of the universe, although we'll have to see how the rest of our schedules come together. Uh, hopefully we'll get that underway by the end of summer. Uh, we'll certainly be back we'll be in back. some form at some time. Watch this space. Our Twitter handle is ononotagainpod or on Tumblr. We are at missingpresumedfed.tumblr.com. You can also just direct message us and tell us. Yeah, that that's you hate us. that's a that's an established thing to do, apparently. Um, you can yeah, find us on iTunes, and maybe you should rate us. Uh, you could tell other people about the the podcast now that it is a complete and whole unit that talks about a complete book and and has sort of a concrete ending. Um, you can. People can people can binge listen the first season of this podcast. I don't know why you would want to do that, but they it is certainly a possible thing to do. Imagine that you're on a plane and your options are listening to all of the episodes of our podcast in one go or no <laughs> other options, including silence. What would you do? I would listen to our podcast. Boy, howdy. <clears throat> Until we until we get our stuff together and do this again on some Thursday in the future, I'm Jeremy Yoder, and I'm feeling a little less awful about the future than I did when we started this, I guess. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm Colin Carlson, and uh, I'm really into bikes right now. I'm Fausto Bustos, and I'm having a really hard time thinking of an interesting fact. Always true. Share and enjoy. So they straight up had the children's choir sing Disparate Youth by Santa Gold. I feel like Douglas Adams would actually have been really into that. You think? I think he would have I think he would have had a nervous breakdown watching that. <laughs> In much the same way that I did. Oh wow, you definitely have to yeah. edit that out. Um that's oh, sorry. Okay. That's that's straight up not Jesus. <laughs>
And so on the one hand, that fulfills a lot of my stereotypes of Unitarians, which are not particularly com complimentary, but on the other hand, I find it sort of charming. It's a nice message. Yeah. That was really... That was nice. Sorry, I did not realize what you thought. Oh my god. Fausto, just... Fausto, Fausto, Fausto. That is not what I thought. Just stop talking. Disagree. I think the most Douglas Adams thing we could do is just have a Monty Python ending at the end where we're all arrested and there's no statement of plans. Just like a loud bang. <laughs> Several loud bangs and that's the end of the podcast. Happy Pride Month.